Once again, Robert Nauer, unfiltered. The truth. Here's an interesting story about a time when I had just gotten out of the Navy for a couple years and I was working at the Naval Supply Center in Norfolk, Virginia. I had a house down along Little Creek Road. In the time that I had been in the Virginia Beach area, a number of people had gotten to know me, know of my contracting abilities, my ethics. They knew that basically I was somebody that uh, could be relied upon for telling them the facts. The story that I'm going to tell you about is one where prior to the digital age occurring, which was about in the late 90s, this was about 1988-89. I had recently left the Navy Commercial Activities Management Team where we used to go around and do base operation support studies. And I was working at the Naval Supply Center now as a contract administrator, contract specialist. So every day after work, to relieve stress, I would go to Bally's Holiday Health Spa. I don't believe they're in business anymore, but whether they are or not is kind of irrelevant. It could be any health spa. It just happened to be Bally's that was located on Virginia Beach Boulevard across from the Lexus dealer. And after working out, I was in the shower, getting ready to shower up and change and then go home. I usually got home around 6 p.m. every day. As I am lathering up and have shampoo all over my head, I hear a whisper from behind me, a rather loud whisper that goes, Psst, hey, are, are you Bob Nauer? And you can imagine being in a men's shower naked and you hear somebody whisper behind you, are you Bob Nauer? Gives you kind of an uneasy feeling. Well, it gave me kind of an uneasy feeling. So I turned around and I said, and who the hell are you? And this slightly middle-aged guy in his 50s, early 50s, says, my name's John, but I, I don't want to tell you any more than that. I was told that you're a pretty ethical individual and you're a straight shooter and would tell me, help me make a decision on what I need to do. And I said, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but um, can you... I don't really want to talk about it here. I want to finish showering, change. Uh, if, you, if it's really important to you, how about meet me out in the parking lot in about 15 minutes? So he said, sure, fine. So he left. Now, he was naked, too. And he left and went out. And I said, this is just queer. I, I've never had anything like that happen in my life. Somebody come up to me in the shower and say they needed my assistant. So, needless to say, I finished showering up, changed, and got ready and went out to the parking lot. So I'm out in the parking lot, and I'm standing near my car, and this guy John, I see, he's dressed, and he approaches me. And he tells me, um, I need your help. People have told me they of you, and they told me where I can meet you. That's why I came here. And I said, well, that's fine. What's this all about? And he said... You've got to promise you won't tell this to anybody else. I said, sure, whatever. I said, but first, so that I know who I am talking to, give me your driver's license so I can see who I'm talking to. Because I said, I'm not going to talk to you if I don't know who you are and you can't prove it to me. So he whips out his driver's license and gives it to me. And I look at it and I stick it in my shirt pocket. And he goes, can I have it back? I said, not at, not at this point in time, you can't. So I said, so what, what's your concern, John? And John, uh, he gave me his military uh, ID card also. 
So I saw he was a retired Navy commander. And I said, so you're a retired commander. He goes, yeah, I heard you were uh, out of the Navy too. And I said, uh, so what is so serious that you have to meet me in a shower to come and talk to me? And he goes, well, he goes, I work for SMA Corporation downtown. I said, I know where it is. I work right across the street. He goes, well, that's sort of how I got your name because I knew you worked in the federal building. And I said, okay, you work at SMA Corporation. That's a minority contractor run by a black guy. I, I know who it is. I know who they are. He goes, well, he says, I'm very concerned. He says, see, I'm the chief administrative officer there. I'm the number three. And I had already known about the corporation and what they did. They had DOD contracts all over the United States. They were joint service contracts with Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, you name it. And the number one was a fairly well-known, thought-after black Democrat who knew the governor, who was also black at the time. And the second in command, the chief operating officer, was a retired Navy Supply Corps captain, rather fat and overweight. Both of the two I just mentioned ended up going to federal prison for committing fraud against the criminal fraud against the federal government. But the, and it all stemmed from this case. So John says, I have, um, I, th I think I'm in trouble. I said, what kind of trouble do you think you're in, John? And he goes, well, as chief admin officer, I'm the one who coordinates all of the invoices across all of our various program offices from California, Arizona, San Diego, uh, New York, uh, Florida, Tampa, and here, you, you name it. And um, he goes, there's an ongoing scheme that I'm kind of caught up in to defraud the federal government of millions of dollars. And I said, really? really you're you're defrauding the federal government of millions of dollars he goes yeah he goes i i didn't mean to get caught up in it it just happened i said yeah nothing ever just happened john he said well the owner the owner and president of the company along with the chief operating officer had approached me and told me basically kind of alluded to what they were doing and to basically just ignore and not ask questions but the more and more i looked at the invoices i knew that they were uh, should be red flagged and they were fraudulent. They were overstated hours, overstated skills. People who were supposed to be working on a particular government contract were not. A lesser skilled person was instead substituted for that person. That's called labor substitution, which is not allowed necessarily. So in some cases it is, but not necessarily. Hours were overstated that were not worked, and work was performed, stated to have been performed, that was not performed. All fraudulent, all in an effort to bill the federal government for work that was not given to and that the federal government did not benefit from. I said, wow, that's pretty serious. I said, these allegations you're making uh, is a national, if not an international, fraud case. And I said, wow, that's very criminal. I said, he says, what kind of trouble can I get in? I said, John, you're going to go to federal prison if you don't turn state's evidence. He goes, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to turn state's evidence. He goes, my life will be ruined forever. Uh, I just can't do it. And I said, well, that's too bad, John. I said, because you came to me because I was a very ethical individual. And I said, and I have your ID card right now. And guess what? You are not getting it back until tomorrow morning. And you saw a look of terror come over John's face. He turned white as a sheet. Like, oh my God, 
what's going to go on? What's happening? What's happening? Why, why aren't you going to give me my IDs back? And I said, here's what's going to happen, John. I am going to call a friend of mine, John Lambert, who is an investigator with the Naval Investigative Service. And today that's called the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. Back in the 80s, it was the Naval Investigative Service, NIS. I said, I know John and I, uh, Lambert, and I've worked with him for many years. And I'm going to call him at home, and I'm going to have him meet me tomorrow morning at uh, the federal building where I work. And we are going to go up all together, all of us, to see the FBI. And you were going to tell the FBI about this particular case that you just brought me. He goes, I didn't bring you anything. Oh, yeah, you did, because you have divulged that you are personally and substantially involved in a criminal case a violation of 18 USC and that uh, you can serve prison time. So I said, I therefore, since I know of this criminal activity, have a duty and a responsibility to report it. And if I don't, then I am also guilty of conspiracy and I am not going to be involved in that. So I am turning you in, but I'm going to turn you in and hopefully you will do the right thing, John and that is to become a confidential informant for the FBI. He was terrified, as you could see on his face. He goes, you aren't going to give me my IDs back? I said, nope. He goes, what if I get pulled over by the police? I said, well, then you can tell the police that you are going to the FBI tomorrow morning, and they can be there too, but you're not getting them back until tomorrow morning. I said, and oh, by the way, just be calm. Don't talk to anybody else, and certainly don't tell anybody that you've come to see me or that you're going to go see the FBI. Because I said, typically when you're involved in a multi-million dollar scheme to defraud somebody, you can be murdered. And if your bosses find out, they may have you killed. So, yeah, you should be very concerned, John. And you should have been concerned the first time that you did it. You should have said, I quit. But you didn't. And you didn't go to the FBI and just how long has this all been going on, John? And he said, about three years. I said, wow, three years, that's a long time. And you can imagine being in a men's shower naked and you hear somebody whisper behind you, psst, psst, are you Bob Nauer? Gives you kind of an uneasy feeling. Well, it gave me kind of an uneasy feeling. So I turned around and I said, and who the hell are you? And this slightly middle-aged guy in his 50s, early 50s, uh, says, my name's John, but I, I don't want to tell you any more than that. I've got, I was told that you're a pretty ethical individual and you're a straight shooter and would tell me, help me make a decision on what I need to do. And I said, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but um, can you, I don't really want to talk about it here. I want to finish showering, change. Uh, if, you, if it's really important to you, how about meet me out in the parking lot in about 15 minutes? So he said, sure, fine. So he left. Now, he was naked, too. And he left and went out. And I said, this is just queer. I, I've never had anything like that happen in my life. Somebody come up to me in the shower and say they needed my assistant. So needless to say, I finished showering up, changed, and got ready and went out to the parking lot. So I'm out in the parking lot, and I'm standing near my car, 
And this guy, John, I see, he's dressed and he approaches me. And he tells me, um, I need your help. People have told me they of you and they told me where I can meet you. That's why I came here. And I said, well, that's fine. What's this all about? And he said, you've got to promise you won't tell this to anybody else. I said, sure, whatever. I said, but first, so that I know who I am talking to, give me your driver's license so I can see who I'm talking to. Because I said, I'm not going to talk to you if I don't know who you are and you can't prove it to me. So he whips out his driver's license and gives it to me. And I look at it and I stick it in my shirt pocket. And he goes, can I have it back? I said, not at, not at this point in time, you can't. So I said, so what, what's your concern, John? And John, uh, he gave me his military uh, ID card also. So I saw he was a retired Navy commander. And I said, so you're a retired commander. Uh, he goes, yeah, I heard you were uh, out of the Navy too. And I said, uh, so what is so serious that you have to meet me in a shower to come and talk to me? And he goes, well, he goes, I work for SMA Corporation downtown. I said, I know where it is. I work right across the street. He goes, well, that's sort of how I got your name because I knew you worked in the federal building. And I said, okay, you work at SMA Corporation. That's a minority contractor run by a black guy. I, I know who it is, I know who they are. He goes, well, he says, I'm very concerned. He says, see, I'm the chief administrative officer there, I'm the number three. And I had already known about the corporation and what they did. They had DOD contracts all over the United States. They were joint service contracts with Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, you name it. And the number one was a fairly well-known, thought-after uh, black Democrat um, who knew the governor, who was also black at the time. And the second in command, the chief operating officer, was a retired Navy Supply Corps captain, rather fat and overweight. Uh, both of the two I just mentioned ended up going to federal prison for committing fraud against the criminal fraud against the federal government. But the, and it all stemmed from this case. So John says, I have, um, I, th I think I'm in trouble. I said, what kind of trouble do you think you're in, John? And he goes, well, as chief admin officer, I'm the one who coordinates all of the invoices across all of our various program offices from California, Arizona, San Diego, uh, New York, uh, Florida, Tampa, and here, you, you name it. And um, he goes, there's an ongoing scheme that I'm kind of caught up in to defraud the federal government of millions of dollars. And I said, really? Really? You're, you're defrauding the federal government of millions of dollars? He goes, yeah. He goes, I, I didn't mean to get caught up in it. It just happened. I said, yeah, nothing ever just happened, John. He said, well, the owner, the owner and president of the company, along with the chief operating officer, had approached me and told me, basically, kind of alluded to what they were doing and to basically just ignore and not ask questions. But the more and more I looked at the invoices, I knew that they were uh, should be red flagged and they were fraudulent. They were overstated hours, overstated skills, people who were supposed to be working on a particular government contract were not. A lesser skilled person was instead substituted for that person. That's called 
labor substitution, which is not allowed necessarily. In some cases it is, but not necessarily. Hours were overstated that were not worked, and work was performed, stated to have been performed, that was not performed. All fraudulent, all in an effort to bill the federal government for work that was not given to and that the federal government did not benefit from. I said, wow, that's pretty serious. I said, these allegations you're making uh, is a national, if not an international, fraud case. And I said, wow, that's very criminal. I said, he says, what kind of trouble can I get in? I said, John, you're going to go to federal prison if you don't turn state's evidence. He goes, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to turn state's evidence. He goes, my life will be ruined forever. Uh, I just can't do it. And I said, well, that's too bad, John. I said, because you came to me because I was a very ethical individual. And I said, and I have your ID card right now. And guess what? You are not getting it back until tomorrow morning. And you saw a look of terror come over John's face. He turned white as a sheet, like, oh, my God, what's going to go on? What's happening? What's happening? Why, why aren't you going to give me my IDs back? And I said, here's what's going to happen, John. I am going to call a friend of mine, John Lambert, who is an investigator with the Naval Investigative Service. And today that's called the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. Back in the 80s, it was the Naval Investigative Service, NIS. I said, I know John and I, uh, Lambert, and I've worked with him for many years. And I'm going to call him at home, and I'm going to have him meet me tomorrow morning at uh, the federal building where I work. And we are going to go up all together, all of us, to see the FBI. And you were going to tell the FBI about this particular case that you just brought me. He goes, I didn't bring you anything. Oh, yeah, you did, because you have divulged that you are personally and substantially involved in a criminal case, a violation of 18 U.S.C., and that uh, you can serve prison time. So I said, I, therefore, since I know of this criminal activity, have a duty and a responsibility to report it. And if I don't, then I am also guilty of conspiracy, and I am not going to be involved in that, so I am turning you in. But I'm going to turn you in, and hopefully you will do the right thing, John, and that is to become a confidential informant for the FBI. He was terrified, as you could see on his face. He goes, you aren't going to give me my IDs back? I said, nope. He goes, what if I get pulled over by the police? I said, well, then you can tell the police that you are going to the FBI tomorrow morning, and they can be there too, but you're not getting them back until tomorrow morning. I said, and oh, by the way, just be calm. Don't talk to anybody else, and certainly don't tell anybody that you've come to see me or that you're going to go see the FBI, because I said, typically when you're involved in a multi-million dollar scheme to defraud somebody, you can be murdered, and if your bosses find out, they may have you killed. So, yeah, you should be very concerned, John, and you should have been concerned the first time that you did it. You should have said, I quit, but you didn't, and you didn't go to the FBI, and just how long has this all been going on, John? And he said, about three years. I said, wow, three years, that's a long time. So the next morning, John met me at the federal building on Granby Street. And at that particular time, 
John Lambert showed up because I had called John the night before and he said he would meet me there. He thought, wow, very interesting case, Bob. I haven't talked to you in a long time since we were aboard ship together. And John said he would take it over from there, and he did. John took the other John, the Commander John, up to the sixth floor where the retired commander laid out the entire scheme to defraud the United States government by SMA Corporation. And over the course of the next two and a half years, the Defense Criminal Investigative Service, the OSI, the CID, the Naval Investigative Service, and the FBI all jointly conducted investigations and interviews with hundreds of people involved in the scheme to defraud the federal government by SMA Corporation. And typically when they did this, they would go and see the secretaries of the various project management offices because the secretaries are the ones that typically handled all of the invoices, all of the paperwork, saw everything. And they, too, if they failed to cooperate, could be brought up on charges for conspiracy. Uh, I believe almost 98% of all of the people that they interviewed and did 302B cards on, the FBI, that is, and other investigators, uh, cooperated with the government because they didn't want to go to jail. So almost all of them that were interviewed at their homes after hours, which is typically when the investigators will come, they'll come at 9, 10 o'clock at night, because typically that scares the hell out of you if you think that you haven't done anything wrong or you have and, and you're afraid, then it really throws the fear of God in you why these FBI, DCIS, NIS, and other agents are showing up at your doorsteps late in the evening, and you know very well what's involved. So you do cooperate, and if you don't, then you ultimately get charged uh, with that crime too or other related crimes. And you definitely also can be charged with uh, 18 U.S.C. 1001 for lying to federal agents, which is also a felony. So they had so many people cooperating besides John. And John, Commander John, and although I do know his last name, I'll never divulge it. Um, but I guess if you look at the case of SMA Corporation, you can probably discern who the chief admin officer was at the time. He spent the next six months collecting invoices, correspondence, and data that would basically shut the door on the top two people, the CEO, chairman, and the chief operating officer of SMA Corporation. Towards the end of his six months, by then, after having most of the program managers from San Diego, Arizona, Norfolk, and other bases interviewed by the FBI, the chief operating officer and CEO got an idea that the only person that could have turned them in would have been John. So John was called in and summarily terminated from SMA Corporation at that time. And although he did lose his job at that time, he did not go to prison because he had turned state's evidence and helped the FBI bring a case against the top officials of SMA Corporation. So I guess the bottom line is here in this type of situation is, you know, if you see something going on and you know that it's a crime, you better come forward and tell somebody and be a confidential informant and or go undercover. Because if you don't, you're going to probably end up in, say, Coleman Federal Prison just outside of Wildwood, Florida which is a pretty, pretty bad prison to be in.
I called John Lambert about a year and a half into the case after I had turned John over to him. And I asked John, I said, hey, what's going on with that case that I gave you with that Navy commander? And he said, Bob, it's still ongoing. There's still a lot more investigation to occur. And he goes, I really can't talk to you about it. I said, well, can you do me one thing? Before indictments are brought and when you know indictments are going to be handed down, can you give me a call and let me know? Because I said, I'm really... Uh, would like to know before the news media, and I will not tell anybody. And he goes, I will do that for you since you brought me the case. And he did. And um, sure enough, about three years later, investigations take a long time. Hey, three years may seem like a long time, but for the Department of Justice, three years is uh, actually kind of short. And so they did. They brought indictments. The chief operating officer, like I said, it was a retired Navy Captain Supply Corps had fled to Mexico City, left his wife, left his home in Virginia Beach, Virginia, fled to Mexico City with, I guess, as much money as he could carry and transfer down there. But of course, what he didn't seem to understand, as most people don't seem to understand, is you need to flee to someplace that's non-extraditable. And he fled to Mexico City and the embassy down there, as all of our embassies have somebody planted there from the FBI all around the world where we have embassies. So they picked him up. They found out where he went, and they picked him up and brought him back for uh, to stand trial. So everybody who was a player, program managers who, who helped commit the fraud, got prison times or sent sentences, uh, and those that cooperated generally were let off with a slap on their hand. I mean, not necessarily they got a felony conviction, but they got at least probation and didn't have to serve any prison time, even though they got a felony conviction. So... It's very important that when you see a felony, a crime being committed, that you come forward and say what you know. Otherwise, uh, you can get slam dunked. And so that's the one thing that saved the the John that I helped turn in, was that he did cooperate with the FBI and NIS and DCIS and OSI and CID. And uh, he kept himself out of prison and also... He kept his retirement with the military intact because if he had not done that, his retirement could have been taken away from him. And this is one of the things that I do hope happens to General Flynn because of the crimes that General Flynn has committed, that he is recalled to active duty and court-martialed and his retirement as a general is taken away from him. I also hope that Donald Trump is also indicted for the crimes of stealing classified documents with the intent to turn them over to foreign powers. And then he goes away to prison for a long, long time along with his children and also along for the tax evasion and the misuse of his position and the misuse of government funds. So lessons should be learned here is that when laws are being broken, you either need to do the right thing or you will end up in jail. And with that, another podcast has ended. Bob Nauer out.